Take the initiative to reach out to agencies that specialize in diverse diversity inclusion is one. Just to get your fee word, you know, get meetings too. Believe it or not, um, reach out to people that have, you know, diversity inclusion within their name on like LinkedIn or these job titles and literally reach out to, hey, I'm I'm looking to improve myself as a creator and just come to them more as a mentorship approach. Y'all would be surprised at how many people are not emailing these people. And their that's their job, right? Is to empower. So I think for those of you who are underrepresented, your number one goal is to get mentorship and someone to help you. That should be what they obsess the most about is finding a mentor either on the brand side or the agency side to kind of help them. Welcome to Inclusion and Marketing, the show that's all about equipping you with the skills you need to win the attention, adoration, and loyalty of more consumers, especially those with differences that are often ignored by brands. I'm your host, Sonia Thompson, an inclusive brand coach, strategist, consultant, and someone with a lot of differences. Let's get to it. wondered what unicorns eat for breakfast or maybe what they use to keep their skin looking so flawless well even though i don't know these answers i can tell you something equally as interesting and unicorn related over 20 percent of all unicorn startups are using hubspot and for good reason hubspot's all-in-one platform levels up your sales software and support so you can grow beyond your wildest dreams boosting leads and ramping sales along the way. They even have a constantly evolving collection of resources to help startups scale. Plus, with HubSpot for Startups program, you can save up to 90% off your first year. I'll admit it does sound too good to be true, but unlike that majestic and also incredibly fictitious unicorn, HubSpot for Startups is all real. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot and take your growth to new heights, visit HubSpot.com startups. Whenever I'm on my social feeds, increasingly I'm seeing more and more people doing sponsored content in partnership with a brand that's reached out on their behalf. And more and more creators are leaning into the world of influencer marketing And it really got me curious around the thought process brands are having as it relates to the role of inclusion in their influencer marketing campaigns. I've heard rumblings of some challenges around representation and pay equity, so I was really pumped to bring an expert on this topic to help me understand this aspect of marketing more, and specifically from an inclusive standpoint. So in today's episode, I chatted with Tanase Chaponda, founder and CEO of Sasani, an ad agency focused on storytelling through influencer campaigns. He's got a lot to share. So without further ado, here's Tanache. Hey, Tanache, thanks so much for joining me today. How are you? Hey there, Sonia. I'm doing well. Yourself? Glad to be here. I'm doing well. All right. I'm excited to dig into this topic a little more. I'm excited to dig into all the topics, but this one, like I don't know a ton about, so I'm super curious to, to learn more. Okay, but before we do that, let the people know who are you and what do you do? Yes, uh, my name is Tanashe Chaponda. I'm the founder and CEO of Sasani Studios. So we are an influencer ad agency and we specialize in branded content series, leveraging both us as an ad agency, but using influencers as the faces of our commercials. Very cool. Are more brands using branded content series more these days? Uh, They're starting to collide influencers and branded content series. Typically, it's been more 
you've hired a video production company, more on that side of things. And now brands are starting to see um, how, how serious an influence it can be in terms of yeah. also being part of a bigger project uh, off of social media. Yeah. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about inclu- influencer marketing. We're like everything that we're talking about today kind of digs into this world. But I want to hear from you, like, what is the state of inclusion in the world of influencer marketing? Yes, I can definitely say a lot of brands are more aware about it and they are taking initiatives to do it. I think a lot of them, sometimes the way they go about the initiatives isn't always the most proper. So either it's, oh, last minute Black History Month or, you know, (laughs) Women's Month, whatever it is, history, let's. Let's hop onto it a couple of weeks before and, you know, reach out to our agency to do a last minute bliss campaign. Um, so I think the awareness is there. And as you start getting more people going to the senior roles, I think there'll be more preparation uh, more than anything else. But the preparation for inclusion isn't as there. It's been more spontaneous from what we've seen. Got it. And are people being more spontaneous because they feel like it's something that they have to do rather than something that's just a baked in part of their strategy? Is that kind of what you're finding? Well, it's more of like associate levels, mid-levels kind of advocating, right? So kind of like the new Uh, people in the companies advocating. And it's more of a trying to convince seniors maybe to push budgets. Because sometimes even on the diversity side, the content or the engagement on be as high sometimes from others. So it's more of, I'm noticing a lot of companies trying it in terms of it's sometimes their first time, right? So the budgets might not necessarily be as big. It sometimes seems to be more experiential focused and everything like that. Um, and I would say like equal pay is still a long way to go, but okay. the spontaneous is because a lot of them are just doing it for the first time. Got it. Okay. So equal pay exists in the influencer marketing world. So that's a part of like a lot of the buzz that I've been hearing in terms mm-hmm. of that's where brands have been struggling because the pay isn't equal. Why? What's behind that? Do you have any insight as to like why? There is an equity there. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be straight up about this conversation. Please do. <laughs> My view point is interesting because I'm ever, you know, immigrant from Zimbabwe. I come here to America. And even since I've been here for almost 20 years, there's always still that sense of disattachment for myself, kind of where I naturally have been. I come as an African, there's African stereotypes. I've been named more as an Oreos. I never knew my true identity. So I have friends from every culture, every background, et cetera. And a big thing I've noticed, especially in the urban culture, is where sometimes the way media is portrayed, there's not enough education for how to present yourself in a way that's brandable, where there's a lot of that a lot of noise of, well, if you're going to be brandable, you're going to be a sellout or you're getting rid of, quote unquote, our culture, when in reality, it's more of understanding the industry and professional standards of it. So we I've noticed that there's not enough education within the talent management that are representing these diverse creators, where sometimes a very passionate person wanting to, you know, afford equal pay, but they might not necessarily know how to help their influencer position a certain way, certain things like maybe you shouldn't be smoking or cussing as much, or maybe you do have funny, you know, relatable things that happen when you grow up. Mm -hmm. But how do you translate that in a way that still represents our culture but isn't necessarily so blinked into not TikTok friendly. Um, I think a lot of, there's a lot of um, areas there of, of, of improvement. Okay. So if I understand what you're correct, what you're saying is part of the pay discrepancy has to do with 
the creators needing to know better how to play the game in a way of how to translate their influence with their audience in a manner that's going to make sense for the brand. Yes, 100%. So, for example, we have one creator at the time, she only had about 300 to 400,000 on TikTok. Right. And she was making more. Only, only 300 to 400,000. <laughs> I guess I'm in a very macro level space that I'm in. And she was making more than people with 10 million, 5 million followers. I mean, mm-hmm. your stereotypical white guy or white girl, whatever, making right. way more because, she, and, and, and I, we would always tell her, like, listen, you are like, she was always so confused. Why are you guys so, and, and you know, because like we got her into the space in terms of brands and the type. So it was a first experience. And we are so excited about what she does to some others. And it's really because she's, she naturally grew up in a certain way of how to, you know, represent yourself, how you should, you know, portray yourself online, which has kind of been a really good brand fit. So a big thing I would say is having more education around that and also for brands to understand one is that and then two brands like, hey, I'm a white executive I'm, and I'm seeing this content of maybe this urban kid and I don't necessarily relate. So it's also brands being able to invest in internal teams to help them kind of understand. Because we've seen so many times where a brand will bring back feedback and it's bottom line, like you're trying to suppress who they are in culture, right? So it's like, yeah, could yeah. you maybe change this? And uh, like, you can tell what they're trying to do. Yeah. So it's, it's both, I think, education here, but also brands willing to admit that they don't know. And they need to lean on, hey, we don't understand what the joke is here. Could you maybe give us some more you know, instant on how you, how your quote unquote, your culture sees it. But how do you say that and not sound racist? Yeah. You know? Well, I, it was interesting because as I was thinking about what you said, I'm like, okay, like I get it from the creator and the creator may need to do some things to talk the lingo, I guess, sometimes with the brand. But at the same time, what we don't want to do is have the creator dilute who they are because that's yeah. how they built the audience and that's what the audience is expecting, right? Yeah. So how does a brand get to a place to where they are not trying to get the creator to assimilate, but they are yeah. basically redefining or just kind of, um, not redefining, I think, I think it's just sort of like maybe letting go their perception of what a creator, quote unquote, needs to look like or creator or an influencer needs to look like because the influencer is the influencer because of who they are and the persona that they've created. And I think the minute the brand tries to make them sort of fit into a different kind of mold, that's where it falls apart and it doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. And I agree. I think sometimes brands try to do the most like we're going to start a creator black accelerator program that's going to be a quick little you know splash and then you never hear from it again right and it's kind of i think admitting that like hey we don't know and even being transparent with creators in terms of in a way that's like we're leaning on you for this i think some brands have done a better job especially gen z focused brands yeah i've noticed a lot of the issues is like we're in more of those traditional brands trying to go after gen z they're okay. the ones I've noticed that typically have the biggest challenge. I mean, we work with like Cash App. They do a good job. Uh, Warner Brothers has been doing a good job and some other ones. But it's typically the tra- traditional that are trying to, you know, increase their Gen Z market share. So what advice do you have for 
I guess, staff who were trying, who staff who, like you said, they get it, but their leadership, there's a bit of a disconnect with their leadership in terms of the leadership who often is providing the funding (laughs) Um, or the go ahead in some of these campaigns. What, what advice would you have for them on trying to get their leadership to trust that this is the way we need to go when it comes to being more inclusive from an influencer standpoint as it relates to engaging with, you know, a broader base of communities. Yeah, definitely. I would definitely say in terms of what companies can do and ways to pitch more to your management really has to go with doing more research about the impact that these other minority cultures have on trends, on purchases, especially mm-hmm. where now the the trend is about subcultures, right? It's about it's no longer about going after yoga moms, but yoga moms that also happen to be rent to rock, right? Like a super, you can really niche down with the way TikTok and these social platforms have allowed you to do. I'll just say that it's one is really coming in and pitching the idea of subcultures more and why it's important to diversify. Uh, two, the other way I think you can help in terms of pitching that to leadership is by leaning on seeing examples of uh, of what's going on. Like for example, right now, the biggest you know person on Twitch, Kai, with him now having the most subscribers, you're starting to see a shift in uh, the fact that there's a lot of, where leadership sometimes gets confused is they think when you say Black creator, Black media, diverse, that it's, oh, because of Black, they only have a Black audience. And that's not true. That's yeah. another thing that needs to be redefined is, hey, yeah. these different cultures are attracting still the same type of people. For example, right, like you take the Minions and what they did with Yeet, this rapper and the whole Minions thing and these uh-huh. cultural mixes. And uh, you see things like with Yachty and he's, you know, your stereotypical, you know, black male, but he also like, you know, uh, colors his nails. Like a lot of the youth now, it's no longer about like very niche. The color doesn't mean you're only representing and bringing that color. Right Now the way Gen Z and just online is, it's about interest and it's, it's about passion. It's no longer just only about color because the internet has now allowed us to expand. And a lot of people don't even have their real profile photos on, you know, yeah. in these chat rooms. Yeah. So it's interesting that you're talking about subculture. So I've been watching this thing, these, I guess it's a lot of um, videos. I've been seeing them on Instagram more so, but they're on um, TikTok as well about basically HBC view versions of Harry Potter. Have you seen these? Do you know what I'm talking about? I've seen a couple of them on the For You. Yeah. Right. So, and I think I like, so this is what I'm imagining when it's a subculture. It's like, it's basically like, it's like the black audience of Harry Potter who's like making it work for them and for their culture. Not that they didn't like yeah. Harry Potter as it is, but they're kind of now saying like, if we were to reimagine it <laughs> based on and mixing it up with our culture, this is kind of what it would be. And it's just kind of like, you know, all these different iterations of it. Is that kind of what you mean? Like whenever you're sub- like, there's just a lot of like little pockets of things. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, I think it's pockets of that. I think it's pockets where you are seeing now, especially with the Gen Z kind of uh, era, especially where we focus on is like kids, a lot of them now are very open and inclusive naturally themselves. Yes. Right, to where even when I'm hiring people that are interns and that you can see the entry levels and how they view things. And like, for example, one of our uh, associates now who, who just got a reoffer from intern into um, a, a more longer term role, we were in a meeting and we we're kind of brainstorming and she's like, by the way, I can 
you know, I have best friends that are Hispanic and this and this and this. And there's this girl from Oklahoma. And they're like, not like necessarily by like stereotyping, but we're like, really? Like, like not in a bad way. But it's like, whoa, right? But it shows like the new generation is more open. So yeah, I think subculture is one of like reinventing, but also keeping in mind that it's not like the point of diversity inclusion is because even non-minority people want to see diversity. And that's what they should be starting to tell their leadership, right? Where you yeah. have these passionate and I have like a, one great mentor. Her name is Karen Spencer. And we always say it's the good type of Karen because she has a Y <laughs> in her name. But you see these, you know, non-diverse people are so passionate about bringing it in yeah. where there's actually a, a, a big opportunity for that. And I feel like a lot of branding nowadays with brands are starting to become more like uh, uh, like animation icons. Sometimes a certain it's no longer about like a certain face. Right. It's yeah. more just about kind of expressing yourself. So I think it's like leaning on those type of things. Very cool. Okay, I've got another podcast recommendation for you. It's Latinx in Power, hosted by Thaisa Fernandez. It's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Latinx in Power is a podcast that features interviews with top-level executives, entrepreneurs, and innovators from Latin America, aiming to demystify the tech industry by providing listeners with insider perspectives and insights from Latin American leaders who have succeeded in their fields. I recently listened to the episode, The Power of Storytelling in Business with Andrea Marquez, and I really, really enjoyed it. You often hear me talking about the importance of diversifying your circle of influence, and this podcast is one that will really help you do that by hearing different perspectives about some of your favorite topics. Listen to Latinx in Power wherever you get your podcasts. How are more brands, especially like you said, with the way things are trending, how have you been seeing more brands using influencer marketing in particular as a means to engage more um, communities that are traditionally underrepresented and underserved? Yeah. So there is the first layer that happened, especially with the whole TikTok era, like 2020, 2021 was all about, oh, you're blowing up a million followers. Let's, let's, let's sign them all, right? Let's sign them all. Right. We're now... If you have 11 million followers first, that's not always the best way to target. So what we're noticing is they're starting to look for key influencers within those sub-communities where it's, okay, you might not be a, a macro influencer, but you're a professional doctor who happens to be, you know, of, of, of diverse uh, background. And we're going to leverage your story and like spotlight your story and also then leverage that with Spark ads and, you know, media amplification. So you're seeing also a shift of where because sometimes there is misrepresentation in these other communities, there isn't as many influencers of bigger tier that you're used to. So brands mm -hmm. are still going to smaller people like I talked about earlier, saying we're still going to pay you the same amount as a macro, but to help with getting their reach, they're just leveraging like whitelisting to help as well. Okay. Um, so we started talking about this a little bit, but I want to dig into this a little bit more. I imagine that a lot of times as different brands are looking to engage specific communities. Okay, we want to reach the Black community. We're going to go and look for this influencer, this Black influencer. We want to yeah. reach Gen Z. We're going to go for a Gen Z influencer and vice versa. Whatever the community, yeah. they kind of match up the influencer. But have you been seeing more where brands are just starting to look at more diverse set of influencers, period, not just to reach a specific community, but to as this is how we are coming to market, right? And they're seeing more diverse slate of influencers um, 
you know, influencing the market as a whole, not just a specific subset of it. Yes, yes, I 100% agree with that. So, for example, we were just at a brand trip with Benefit uh, in New York here. Uh, they did a good job, and I was talking to some of their teammates there about exactly what you're saying, right? Where they're very conscious about bringing each of each representation. Same thing with Drug Elephant was another one that did a good job. And we've even seen uh, with campaigns like we did with Mechanism, an agency, and they came to us to for Unilever, and then kind of needed our assistance. And they were like, we need some Hispanic, Asian, Black. Yeah. It was it was one of the most like exciting campaigns. So yes, I would definitely say that you're seeing more brands wanting that diverse, diverse set. I think where the issue is still transparency is who's pitching those creators, right? I think that's another okay. thing is where you're seeing a lot of passionate people wanting to represent diverse people. Hey, these are diverse, but I don't think that they're necessarily pitching it in a way to get that decision maker to then bite. So you are seeing it happen more, but I think it can accelerate the more the people that are actually presenting the creators are able to reframe the way that they're pitching. Okay. All right. So it's more of, it's, we know we need to reach these communities, but they're trying to understand that more diverse overall they are, the more diverse their audience is going to grow as a whole, not just we're turning on this lever to reach this one group and turning on this other level to reach this other group and going flowing from there. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Where I would, me as 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 a consumer, I'd love to see a brand X showing an ad with X person Swipe, swipe, the next day, they're retargeting me with another person who's maybe for different representation. Those type of things are starting to matter because that makes me go, okay, I like this brand. They actually are conscious about this stuff. Yeah. Okay. So it's not like, oh, they're just catering to me specifically because, and they're putting a Black person in front of me because I'm Black, or they're putting a woman in front of me because I'm a woman. They're an inclusive brand overall because they're having a bunch of different people versus I'm just trying to cater to you and get your money and for this specific specific thing. Yes, exactly. And that's where a lot of brands are doing it in, on, in the wrong way, right? By, by just yeah. only hyper-targeting for one specific community instead of diversifying like we're talking about. Uh, okay. All right. Good to know. All right. So what advice would you have for brands who want to get started engaging and serving more people from underrepresented and underserved communities um, using influencer marketing? Yeah, the first thing I would say is tap into your own existing team and internal. So, for example, we had a campaign where a brand that was focused on Muslim uh, creators. The thing is, I'm not Muslim, so we tapped into some of our teammate who was on the data reporting side, right? Nothing to do mm-hmm. with creative, but that was her culture. She was able to give us more insight. So before you kind of go in, so one, I'd go into your team. Two, reach out to agencies that specialize in what you're looking for. Uh, Mm -hmm. They come with a lot of knowledge. They'll come in already with a lot of vetted system of diverse Mm -hmm. creators that they've already tested with. So it allows you to, you know, skip a lot of the testing. So really niching down on those agencies that's focus on on that. And number three, like I said, it's okay with you not knowing the best way of doing it. It's just about having that openness and willingness to learn and understand and being able to say if a video comes in and you might not necessarily understand the humor or the aspect Say, hey, I love the content. I love what you're going for. Uh, could you give me more explanation of, you know, how you were seeing this, you know, this page or how we get this messaging? The creators and people, they're open to that. They want you to come back to them being more curious than you just saying, no, change it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm curious here. What is your advice for brands on whenever there are things that um, creators 
have as they're, you know, doing their campaigns, because they're doing it in their own language, their own terms, their own inside jokes, et cetera, their own cultural cues. When should a brand push back versus when should they say, this is the thing that makes this person so successful and so influential? Yeah, 100%. So I think it comes down first to just the brand values and key audience, right? So I think sometimes people don't do enough due diligence when they source out a creator where one viral video and the, you know, the head of influencer marketing or content is like, I saw this on my For You page, team. Let's reach out to them, right? You get a lot of that happening. So it's like, oh, I want you to replicate this one video that you went viral, even though 98% of the content isn't even that. So I would say having a better vetting system and then two, coming to them with examples that have done that they've done at least three or four. So usually it's like, hey, we were looking more for like this. Kind of like how you did that on these three videos to give them reference, I think also helps a lot as well. Okay. All right. Is there a certain budget? Like there, you know, a lot more brands are starting to use influencers and creators as a way to reach more audiences. but. You know, you mentioned some big brands that you work with. I mean, does there is there like a minimum budget that you recommend people start with as they're trying to get their feet into this process? Do they have to have like very big and extensive budgets to do these things or can they get started even sooner, you know, with this sort of channel or medium? Yeah, I would say it's about strategy. So the easiest way to see it, if it's going to be 50000 or less, if you're going to go lower, I would hyper-focus on micro, nano creators, also put a lot more focus on building your PR program, which is more earned, right? Hey, we love what you're doing. I'm going to send you free products without any um, expectations back. Okay. When you, if it's 50K or higher, that's when you can start actually having a more fleshed out influencer plan to pay for more creators. But in terms of just being more cost effective, if you're not able to test out at that scale and, you know, know that it might take a couple of those tests to get to it then I would just double down on one, tap into your email, existing email list. Mm-hmm. You'll be surprised at how many fans would love to submit a video for you to use and you can run ads on that. Oh. Uh, two, like I said, the PR thing. So look at competitor competitors that aren't necessarily like around the same level of business tier as you and go after those influencers. A lot of them do gifting as well. And then number three, I would say if you, if you are going to be contracting out, focus on UGC video. Right. That way you can get way more videos and then leverage that for paid than you, you know, having to pay for posting and this extra cost that okay. if you especially don't have that type of budget. Got it. And does that work only for product based businesses or have you seen this work well for service based ones as well? Oh, yeah, it, it, it definitely works for, for, for service based business as well. When it comes more localized. That's when I would recommend like local, your, your general local influencers, especially with like now with athletes being able to do promotions. So if you're on local level, look at colleges. I would also say, look at your local tags and see what local people are uh, talking about your stuff. Also, I'd say cross collaboration with high, high engaged audiences of other businesses as another strategy from a local level, at least in terms of being more, um, I guess, agile with how you do it. Got it. Oh, this has been super cool. All right. Um, what advice do you have for creators who are specifically from underrepresented communities mm-hmm. who want to work with brands? Um, just because we see that there's this bit of a gap there. What, what advice would you give them to help us start clo- help them start closing the gap? Yeah, definitely. I would say one is take the initiative to reach out to agencies that specialize in diverse 
diversity inclusion is one, just to get your fee word, you know, get meetings too. Believe it or not, um, reach out to people that have, you know, diversity and inclusion within their name on like LinkedIn or these job titles and literally reach out to, hey, I'm, I'm looking to improve myself as a creator and just come to them more as a mentorship approach. Y'all would be surprised at how many people are not emailing these people. And that's their job, right? It's to empower. So I think for those of you who are underrepresented, your number one goal is to get mentorship and someone to help you. That should be what they obsess the most about is finding a mentor either on the brand side or the agency side to kind of help them. And also, it's okay to try new content. It's okay to feel like with social media, sometimes you feel the need to, well, I'm this. So this is how they expect me to be. And sometimes you might be that weirdo in your group of friends who you just need to express who you are more. And you'd be surprised at how much the internet will accept for who you are because there's someone out there who's looking for someone like you. So I would also say to stick to kind of who you are because we've had creators in diverse background that feel like this is the only way that people watch my videos. Like we've had those conversations and I think it's about really allowing them to be themselves and finding mentorship. Yeah, and finding that place where they belong. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um, where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and your work? Yeah, of course. Uh, you can go to our website at www.sasaniagency.com. That's where our agency work is. But for me, you, you can connect with me on LinkedIn or Instagram at tenache.chaponda. Uh, feel free to ping me. I'm always happy to, to get on a call or a chat or, or, you know, give some feedback and everything. And we do also have our own podcast called The Done Deal Show that we break down the creative economy from a talent manager perspective because we felt like there's not enough representation and resources there. And I don't know, Sonia, uh, there might be an episode of The Done Deal Show with you, you know, talking about diversity. Who knows? So For yeah. sure. <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. <laughs> and I'm going to drop all your info in the show notes so people can access it easily. Tanache, this has been loads of fun. I learned so much, and this has just been yeah, a really great conversation. Do you have any parting words of wisdom for business leaders who don't want to diversify the influencers they're using and connect more deeply with a broader base of consumers? Yeah, I think the main thing we know we're noticing is we talk about America being the melting pot and this kind of like this theory. Well, it's starting to hit that era where it actually is now we feel actually the melting pot and the mindset of people. So when it comes to diversity, you be, embrace it. Be okay to know that you don't know everything. Lean into your teammates and ask for help. It's totally fine. It's better to be curious than to not try at all and to be very restraining in what you do. And then the day when you reach out, everyone knows that we're all in it for the, for the same reasons. It's some such type of growth, either on the brand or personal side. So just embrace it and creators are waiting to work with you. Very cool. All right, Tanache, thank you again for stopping by and sharing all your wisdom with us. Yeah, of course, anytime. Tanache had so many interesting things to share. And as you think about how to imply insights you picked up, I want to encourage you to latch on to this principle of building inclusive influencer campaigns where you're not just hiring influencers to reach the specific communities they are a part of, but you're building a base of influences that are inclusive overall and that will help you reach a broader, more diverse audience. That's it for today's episode. I'd love to know what you think. Feel free to send me a DM on social, tag me in a convo on social, or even leave me a voicemail at inclusivemarketing.co slash voicemail. Let's continue the conversation about inclusion in the world of influencer marketing. 
And if you want to get more insights, stories, and resources about inclusive marketing, definitely get signed up for the Inclusion and Marketing newsletter at inclusionofmarketing.co. I'll also drop a link to it in the show notes so you can access it easily. Until next time, remember, everyone deserves to have a place where they belong. Let's use our individual and collective power to ensure more people feel like they do. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon.